Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Journey Within podcast. Got a special one today, my great friends Emily and Lance Robinson, and also Aaron Blasey. So we're going to talk about Safari River and Goose Haven up in Saskatchewan, which Emily and Lance run. Um, Aaron's actually set to go on a deer hunt up there next year, and I think he's probably asked me, you know, 90, 98 questions, uh, maybe over 100. 198 questions. 198 <laughs> questions. So it kind of kind of spurred this one on, and it'll be a good one to go over all the different hunts that Emily and Lance offer in Saskatchewan, and then the questions that they normally receive, we'll, we'll go over all those answers. But obviously in podcast form, we can, we can dive into them a lot more than what you could in written word or on video or anything. And, and Aaron will hop in the day because he's, he's never, you've never gone hunting in Canada, correct? Nope. Nope. Never. I've filmed a lot, but just never with a weapon in my hand. Okay. So, yep. So it'll be a good, it'll be a good one because Aaron will have all the first time questions, which obviously Emily and Lance answer all the time. <laughs> first time we're over here. Yep. Greenhorn. Yep. So how are you guys doing today? <laughs> Pretty good. How about yourself? Not too bad. So right now we are sitting, what is it, man? It's early June here. So spring bear season is just winding down. Yeah. Um, not to brag a little bit, my my daughter and her best friend have just took a bear this week, so it was a pretty cool experience. Thank you for that. That's awesome. That took a couple of nice bears, and we're stoked. Yep. So as as anybody that that knows how hunting season goes, as you wind down towards the end of a season, like they are in spring bear here, everybody looks a little a little tired. You could say just because the season's coming. <laughs> so what like how. Tell everybody, like, your season, because you bounce back and forth between Saskatchewan and Maine. Like, take it from the beginning of the year, what you guys do in Maine with sea ducks, walk through, and then all of a sudden we're come up to Saskatchewan, do spring bears, then go back home for a little bit, and then, then so forth. Walk through, everybody, what, what your year looks like. Yeah, totally. Um, I guess we'll start more in the uh, spring bear and uh, work our way around the schedule yeah. from there. Um, like Mark said, we are in Maine from uh, January through – uh, about April 15th when we get up uh, to Saskatchewan and start getting our spring bear program ready. We have an amazing staff up here, so even if we run in a little late, um, you know, things are things are already rolling. Baits are already going out. 
Um, the prep's already beginning well before we even, uh, well, we, well, we, well before we uh, touch down in Saskatoon. So spring bear, we, we like to run about four to five weeks um, of hunters between both camps. Uh, somewhere is between six to nine hunters per week. Um, that gives us somewhere around 30, high 20s to mid 30 hunters at both camps. Um, so we run spring bear from May 1st through the first week of June. Kind of start changing gears as we get towards the end, wrap up some projects and uh, get our eyes set for uh, our waterfowl season. Um, we do head home back to Maine for about six weeks in the summer. And then uh, August 15th, we return to uh, Saskatchewan and, and gear up for that waterfowl season. Um, that starts September 1, where we roll through uh, late October, um, averaging anywhere from 10 to 12 hunters every three days. So It's quite, like a revolving door. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> it a busy quick. season. Um, and uh, we run, yeah, run around 160 to 170 waterfowl hunts, depending on group size. And from there, the transition is pretty smooth. Um, last week of October at both camps, we start doing our whitetail archery week, which is a specialty week that we offer. Um, guys can do whitetail hunts anytime during the season, but we really focus on that whitetail archery guy the last week of October. And then um, kind of the same formula is our bear is that we're running anywhere from 6 to 12, 9, 12 guys, depending on which camp you're at, um, and uh, run that season right till usually the, the first week of December, depending on group sizes. And uh, from there, we wrap up uh, wrap up our Saskatchewan stuff and immediately jump into the main sea ducks, which uh, is actually... So you have nothing going on. No, <laughs> nothing. Easy schedule. <laughs> So that actually is already going on before we even get back. We have a, a great captain who, who runs that program um, when we're not there. Um, and uh, we do a couple weeks before we arrive, and then we jump feet first as soon as we get back. Um, so we do a little nice cottage on the coast of Maine, and uh, it's a very more quaint uh, feel than what's going on in Saskatchewan. Usually two to three hunters per three days little more intimate, get to see the coast of Maine, enjoy some Maine sea ducking, and wrap that up uh, around Christmas time, and uh, that brings us back to January, where we do it all again. <laughs> and and you also do ice fishing trips in Maine, and yeah. open water trips here and there, but moose. Oh, yeah. We, we forgot moose. Yeah, we forgot moose. We uh, In 19, we were fortunate enough to acquire three Saskatchewan moose tags, and um, we got to play around with them a little bit in 19, but... Uh, Really, 21 was our first major push on them, and we had a, a really fun season with that. We we tried to do that peak rut right around the end of September, 1st of October, and it's a, a seven to ten, ten to seven to ten day hunt, um, and it's a it's a it's a good adventure. Good experience. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Hey everybody, month of July has one tag application that you guys have got to make sure to get applied before the deadline of July 30th. That is Pennsylvania elk. That's a new one that we've been doing the last couple of years and a great one. If you're looking for an absolute slob of an elk, make sure to check out Pennsylvania elk. So I got, I got a couple personal questions here before we, before we dig into everything. Lance, how long have you been guiding? Oh. Guiding slash outfitting. Yeah, well. I think you should just tell the story. <laughs> Anytime you say tell the story, you have to tell the story. Um, 
I, geez, I don't even know. We tried to backtrack. It's around 13 years. Okay. Um, grew up in the outdoor living, how I was raised with my my grandpas, my dad. You know, we were we were super outdoorsy family. Everything, fishing, hunting, didn't matter what it was. Um, but uh, through college and, and everything else, my on my mom's side of the family was into or was uh, and um, nightclub, restaurant, lounge, catering, catering type uh, food type. industry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was like obviously when you're young, it was an easy avenue is uh, second jobs or to make money and busing tables, bartending. So it ends up that I'm uh, managing a country western nightclub or country rest <laughs> country western classic rock, and uh, we. Uh, we're closing, wrapping up a night. I had a little black lab that was always with me. and Gunner. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, we. I opened the office door, and he comes bobbling out, and one of the drummers in the band kind of goes, hey, is is that a hunting dog? Well, yeah, kind of. He's my right-hand man, but he, you know, he hunts, yeah, a little bit, and we get talking, and somehow I get managed to be to be invited to their Saskatchewan waterfowl, him and his wife's Saskatchewan waterfowl company. So we, they invited me to bring a friend. We came up as a guest, and uh, we kind of stayed kind of close after that. I mean, we were still booking his band. But um, he, uh, I think he started following us on Facebook or something, you know, like, and realized that we were, like, crushing geese and ducks in Maine. Yep. And uh, he's like, geez, I'm short a guy this year. Can you come up? Well, I passed on the opportunity one year, and I was fortunate enough to have some work for a really awesome husband and wife couple who I was doing a lot of adventures with as like kind of bonuses for work. And uh, they eventually just said, man, you can't not take this opportunity. So they uh, they let me take a month off and come up to Saskatchewan and guide waterfowl. And that was pretty pretty much where the story starts officially and uh, <laughs> fell in love with it, started guiding every year, took quite some years into that. And uh, it also redirected my off time in Maine, started to get out of that nightclub restaurant area and uh, got my main guides license and started my own little company in Maine. And so here we are, here we are, 2022 and uh, all these moving parts. So you started with waterfowl and then now you're doing every big game animal in the north, basically. <laughs> yeah, the waterfowl was uh, Goosehaven Outfitters. It came with uh, a well-developed waterfowl company and uh, also had 10 Farm bear tags. Farm bear yeah. tags. Okay. Not great, yep. great develop. We kind of did that, got to play with those, kind of broke the ice into the into the bear program for us. Mm -hmm. And one 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 thing I think that's cool about that, and you can anybody that's been here, it's very obvious. So your background in nightclub bar management, really, what it is, hospitality, right? Hospitality. How do you how do you succeed yeah. in right. in that avenue? It's all hospitality. Like I, I get asked a lot, what what creates a good outfit or what what makes a great guide or or anybody like that? It's really it's hospitality. That's it. it that's mm. that's one hundred percent what it is. Like okay, so you guys have the operation based in in what I would consider the best out waterfall outfitting area in North America for geese because mm. you're the the spreads that you guys set is the first thing the geese see as they start to migrate south. So it's just like anybody that's listening, imagine that. Anybody that's goose hunted, like you, you down in the U.S., down in Michigan, when we do it, like those geese have seen hundreds of spreads, oh, yeah. and you can tell because they're sky high. And yep. they're like, nope, not coming down. Not Shot coming at down. a lot. <laughs> but, but where it's set up here, 
Like the guys do their research, scout the fields, but the geese coming, it's literally the first time that year they've seen a, seen a spread. And what you guys do during waterfall season is amazing. So you're in the right area and then you guys can control all the controllables, but your hospitality just pushes it over. Like what's your repeat? What's the repeat booking for waterfall? I mean, it's, it's, 95%. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really? It, yeah, there's really the only thing that changes is the some of the attendees and the groups. Yeah. Um, other than uh, the signature event and uh, one other three-day block, we just – they keep their week every year, and they just might bring different people, but the head of the group's always the same guy. Makes it really easy. We, we don't have to reiterate um, airport pickup or airport directions or mm-hmm. – Traveling uh, what they're going to expect yeah. or, you know, they're they're texting the guides, they're texting the chef, they're making sure uh, all these fun, exciting things. Oh, they got planned for, you know, planned for us when we get up. They or when they get up, they're making T-shirts and hats <laughs> and, um, you know, getting everyone's size and making sure all the guides are going to be the same and that Chef Craig's going to be there and yeah. they can eat his fresh cookies and mm. <laughs> like that, like, like but a that, family reunion. But that shows how good an operation you guys do that the that the repeat bookings are that high and, and it's probably the same for Whitetail and like I, I always looked at it like black bear bookings are tough to repeat on because of what it is. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of people like to do it and experience it one time. It's not like a whitetail where the same guy will come back year after year, but then all of a sudden you guys are getting so many repeat bookings here for black bears. And it, I mean that's just an testament to how you guys are running the operation. Yeah, this year especially was, I mean, I know people were really jonesing for it, but uh, wow, um, the Lakeside Lodge in, in particular just, I mean, before people left, we were already sold out for 2023 spring black Really? Bay. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I mean, same, you know, guys, maybe same deal as Waterfowl, a few different guys in their group, but um, again, between the SOA and then a few really good uh, customers bringing some large groups, mm-hmm. it was... I Gone mean, just like that. We're already already done that's awesome few few spots at riverside and we'll be wrapping up 23 it's pretty cool i know it's so cliche and cheesy but you know i think everyone feels the same feeling when they come here and arrive as a stranger and leave not just as friends but family you know Mm -hmm. it's so awesome for us especially integrating we have a two and a half year old little brookie and uh you know these guys become like uncles and grandfathers to her you know it's awesome i watch her grow up and all yeah and like i was always nervous you know i'd been in you know, not everything that I got involved in, I'm, you know, a volunteer firefighter and my undergrad was architecture, civil engineering, construction management, used to work at a lumber yard. I, I know how it is to be a woman in a man's world. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, um, I think being like young, blonde and a female, you kind of have to prove yourself. But like, I took a step back and was able to say, you know, I, I don't want to hinder it's a guys group, you know, these guys for waterfowl say come in and there's all 12 of them. And I don't, I want to give them their respect and their, their space, but you know, so a female in the mix of things, but then how does a kid play into it? And again, it's a big family. So it's been so nice that, you know, everyone just feels comfortable about it. That's been, I don't, I don't think anybody that comes, um, does not like your touch that you've done to everything. If it's throughout the lodge of naming of the rooms, like the organization, like there is, you can tell the difference between an operation that doesn't have somebody like you involved and then somebody that does from like, I mean, it's detailed. Anybody that hasn't been here, like the second you arrive, it's licenses are ready. Like everything is detailed to a T until you get to the field, which is extremely nice. And my mom was more excited that I got to see Brooke than anything. She (laughs) she follows her on social media and it's like, so you're going to see Brooke. I'm like, yeah, we're going to see everybody. But she's like, yeah, you're going to see Brooke. I'm like, yes, 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 I will. Yes, I will. Uh, So how did you guys meet? And then how did it, 
Oh my goodness. How did it work that, you know what, this is, cause this lifestyle <laughs> that you guys live is, I mean, it's not for everybody. You guys do right. a ton of traveling and outfitting is tough. Yeah. Like it's long days. Like Lance, what's your day right now during bear season? Oh geez. Um, well, it's getting actually a little nicer right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it all depends. I mean, usually it's a minute minimum of breakfast at eight bed at one or two in the morning uh, right. and, and rinse and repeat and, Early in the season when you got bigger groups and everything else, it it can be up at 6 to go tracking and in bed at 2, 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then, obviously, with two places where uh, we don't have a day off. It's uh, the day that we'd be usually or would have taken a day off in the past. We're right back into it with a whole new group mm-hmm. of people smiling, greeting, and uh, and giving them what they want. So. I think it works out really well that we do it that way, though. Like the Riverside arrival day is on Saturdays, and then the Lakeside is Sundays. So we meet and greet all the new folks that come in, get them settled. Like you said, get them their hunting license, make sure that they feel comfortable, all questions answered, have their big hunter meeting for what to expect, what a typical itinerary day looks like. And then the next day, we introduce them to their guide. They have their guide meetings, get everything else figured out, thermocells, walkie-talkies, harnesses, stuff like that. And then we're, they go to the stand, and we're off to the next lodge. So right. they don't even realize that we're gone. Yeah. Um, and then it, we kind of joke around because it's pretty much my lodge and his lodge. <laughs> he <laughs> kind of runs, yeah, <laughs> runs lakeside, and I kind of run riverside, and it's just kind of gone really smooth that mm-hmm. way. We had, um, yeah, we had a lot of special events this year, which is awesome, and special groups, and uh, uh, it just made that uh, they needed uh, independent or exclusive attention from at least one of us, mm-hmm. not partial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it definitely made it easy that we were able to split up and divide yeah. and conquer. And well, with all those COVID rollovers, we had yeah. three of those Cabela's Bass Pro Signature Outdoor Adventures. So that was awesome. And then we had Rough Tough come up with us. So that was great to host them. So yeah, some cr- pretty cool special events. And we already have some special yeah. events on the books for 23 too that we're excited for. That's so. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So now the story. How'd you meet? How how did it? How to be like? This is what we're gonna do. This is gonna be. What we do for the the rest of our life. Well, kind of the... We met, what, summer of 2015. Well, okay, so we were neighbors. (laughs) I I was the girl next door. (laughs) And And I, uh, I brought Christmas cookies to everyone on the street. And I remember it was a winter stormy day and uh, the one of the last houses I get to. And we have, we, we live on a quaint little quiet street with, uh, some, you know, older folks as neighbors, everyone's in their sixties, seventies, eighties. And, uh, I get to the last house on the street and I walk down the driveway to bring Christmas cookies to try to introduce myself and, uh, walk up and there's two young guys around my age standing there, Luke and Lance and their mom, Linda, Lance is cleaning fish. He had just gone ice fishing (laughs) and Luke had just gotten done with a, a workout. He runs Wolf, Wolfpack Fitness uh, with his mom, they had just gotten done with a workout. And so I introduced myself and said, Hey, you know, I'm the neighbor down the road. I just moved in. Uh, and, uh, that's where it kind of started. And then, uh, we were started hanging out. I actually started hanging out with Luke working out quite a bit. So I was always down on at the river. And, uh, I remember seeing on Facebook, there was like this beautiful waterfall and it was, uh, Moxie, Moxie Falls, Falls in, in the West in West Forks and he's like hey we have a family camp up there we should go up sometime and I'm thinking like a whole group of us from this Wolfpack Fitness like oh yeah we'll all go up you had it on your 
to-do list. Or your it was uh, my, my paper calendar. I thought we <laughs> were. I thought I was <laughs> well, the no, only no, no, one no. our age that we had a paper it's, calendar. It was one in your little bucket my, thing. My, bu- my, my bucket list. So she said, yeah. Where was that from? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I pulled out my paper calendar and said, yeah. "Well, you want to schedule it? Sure." Yeah. I had kind of gone through a another story for a different time, but like a nasty divorce, and like I just wanted to prove to myself, like mentally, physically, emotionally, like. I was good. I was strong. And so uh, I kept myself as busy as possible. And one of these trips was Moxie Falls. We were supposed to go a whole group of us anyway. And uh, it ended up just being Lance and I. And I kind of panicked. And I said, uh, <laughs> can, can I bring my mom? And he's like, uh, sure, I'll bring my mom. And then I got to know his mom, Linda, really well. And she's like, honey, you don't want us to go. Like, it's not a date or anything. No pressure. You know, just, just Lance go Lance was up. thinking it was a date. Yeah, Lance <laughs> was planning. He's like, listen, there's no. going to be a big group. And then all of a sudden, hey, everybody canceled. Everybody no. backed out. No, us. I got up there. And he's like, do you mind if we Whoa. have someone over for lunch? And it was some girl who was holding his hand. And I was like, oh, all right. Whew. Oh. Took the pressure this off. Took this, a turn. Is <laughs> this took a real turn. All right. Wow, okay. It took the pressure off that it was a date. So we had fun. He took me fishing and canoeing. And we went swimming in the falls. It was cold that day. And we were uh, so this ties into the club texas thing because you still had the bull the mechanical bull and it was a bull gig at woody's bar and grill up in greenville maine off of moosehead lake and so we went up there and the we get things going and the bull wasn't working and i'm like well did you try the extension cord maybe it's the breaker maybe it's this we start opening up the box and looking and he looks over at me he's like well you're not just a dumb blonde are you <laughs> 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 it's a whole simple circuitry we'll figure this out so long story short we get it figured out and then we go back and i don't know we just had a lot in common we were both married once before at a younger age and i think learned a lot from that and uh yeah just fell in love by the time we got home we were pretty much inseparable yeah so that went to church oh, that's cool uh, yeah I, I invited him to church he came to church with me the next day and yeah we just hit it off had a ton in common and uh i think one of the funniest things was he first said hey do you want to come check out my game room and i'm thinking we're gonna play like pool and foosball <laughs> and arcade <laughs> games and i get up there and it's just dead animals everywhere <laughs> and now i think i have more stuff in your game room than you do <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Took another turn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then it just kind of like, I know how life goes and it just kind of one thing led to another. And now all of a sudden you guys are in this, I mean, outdoor lifestyle, 12 months mm-hmm. a year. Is there yeah. anything you'd change about it? No. no, no. I mean, we're just so fortunate to be able to raise our, our daughter in the, in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, be able to work together we can i mean even working together we just get along great you know we stay in each other's lane you know some mm-hmm. somebody asked for a fishing license the other day before i left and i just said and we'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> and stay in my lane I'll, it'll be the paperwork will be messed up i'll hit the wrong button yeah. <laughs> so i just you know i stay in my lane and uh it works out great that way that's so awesome we can Divide and conquer. Yeah. And spending, it's pretty much, I mean, it's fall and spring here, summer and winter in Maine, simply put. But it's about six months and six months. So we almost have two homes now, which is really cool for us, especially raising our daughter Uh here. You know, like all of our guides, you know, there's Coulter and Wesson and all of our little friends. Something in the water, something about that time of the year. I don't know. But we all had babies around the same time. So she has friends that, you know, they're already out shed hunting. Little Lenny's only a, a year, year and a half, and she found her first shed. <laughs> oh, awesome. And Brooke's been on a, a couple duck hunts, evening duck hunts with us. And, I mean, they just love it. They embrace it. And yeah. it's nothing that we would ever force on them, but they just see what we do and they want to copy us. And, yeah, it's just fun. 
Everyone knows Matthews is the leader in archery innovations, and I'm proud to be part of their team. Little did they know I've been part of their team ever since I started pulling a bow back when I was 12. I personally shoot their new Matthews V3X and love it. So go visit MatthewsInc.com and pick out your next bow. Hey everybody, I've been partnered and working with Bass Pro and Cabela's now for a long time. They're your one-stop shop for anything outdoors. Personally, I use them for all my camping and backpack needs for all my backcountry trips. Make sure to check them out at BassPro.com or Cabela's.com. Hey guys, are you into keeping your whitetail herd healthy and strong? Go check out Buck Bourbon and their full line of mineral and attractants. Personally, my favorite is 110 proof because I've had some great memories and great deer taken over top of it in the state of Kentucky. Born from bourbon, field tested, wildlife approved. Check them out at buckbourbon.com. Certainly take uh, some awesome lessons, you know, whether they choose to take that path or not. Yep. Um, just being able to socialize with that many people and and just it's phenomenal especially old, like as as a younger kid grows up and like she'll be there through every age cycle but like to be able to communicate with an older generation is so key because a lot of kids can't do it now because right. they they yeah. like a lot of kids go to school they would never talk with 60 or 70 year old that aren't their family members they'd right. never have that choice to interact and, and learn from them yeah all right, Aaron. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep you anymore. So when 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 we go through this, I, I think the best way, just as a as a information or knowledge base, is to take deer hunting, waterfall, and let's mm-hmm. just walk down. I'm gonna let you lead because I know okay. you got a ton of questions. Like, what do you need to know as as somebody coming from the U.S. on your first whitetail hunt yep. with Safari River in, in Saskatchewan? Like, travel. What do yep. I need to prepare to do? You you go through that, and then, okay. then I can handle waterfall questions yeah. and so forth after that. So uh, I guess the big thing for whitetail is, you know, obviously Canada and everything, they is a big destination for whitetail. For me, it, I'm a big whitetail guy. It's my bucket list hunt. Like this is a once in a lifetime hunt for me and, uh, you know, just chocolate rack, big deer, you know, I, I can't wait for it. But um, on the flip side of things, I have my father-in-law's coming and uh, my uncle's coming as well. And they're they've never really traveled to hunt never flown with weapons or anything like that so that was a big concern i would say, i wouldn't say concern but just like you know how do we do this you don't really know it's fish out of water kind of thing so i guess let's start from that from somebody like coming from the states or traveling with a gun or a bow how does that logistically all work well i'll let em kind of do quite a bit of that because she does a phenomenal job at uh at just keeping everybody in the loop and uh, feeling comfortable and, you know, especially with the, the COVID changes and yeah. stuff. But what I'll do is I'll just preface this. There is 170 waterfowl hunters a year that come through here, roughly. Mm-hmm. There's 100 whitetail hunters roughly a year. 74 bear hunters. There's uh, multiple other trips we offer from grouse hunting to fishing and everything else hundreds and hundreds of people and we're we're not the only only people doing right so what you what hunters need to realize is that uh this is routine for for not only most border crossings um but it's routine for us so we're going to coach you through the whole thing you're not the first guy trying to come to canada hunting we we do this we keep you informed we'll replicate it um and make the the travel experience the best we can for Mm -hmm. you and it is Sometimes we forget just um, how nerve-wracking it can be for guys because we just say, hey, we got you covered. Yep. You don't worry about it. Yep. Same same with like what Mark was saying earlier. 
your license is here. You don't got to worry about food, uh, lodging, everything that we offer has that complete, complete package in it. So, um, and that's the same with our travel. We will, we will walk you through it. Um, and then we'll provide you with, you know, every piece of material you need to be successful successful and feel confident yep so yeah we so we had thanks to nick filler and luke they helped us redesign our websites they were pretty antiquated and yep. having the separate businesses goose haven safari river and then now it, it was outer limits bucks and bears now we couldn't call it safari river lakeside just getting everything organized um our website is awesome so you can literally go on there there's an faq of what should i pack we have packing lists for each species hunt um how do I get across the border with my gun or white weapons? Do I have to wear orange? Like all of those questions and especially getting through this whole post COVID crazy mm -hmm. era. Um, there was a lot of changes, you know, the border didn't open till last minute in August of 2021. So we were able to run a partial waterfowl and a, a full deer season. And so, um, you know, what I, try to do and what we do with worldwide trophy adventures um because people get confused with that too it's like okay wait i'm talking to you with a main area code for the first time and i'm going <laughs> hunting in saskatchewan and then i'm sending my paperwork and my deposit to sydney nebraska how does that work yeah, yep. so yeah so worldwide trophy adventures because we're back and forth in between two places you know if people are sending in their packets of paperwork and stuff like that to Saskatchewan, then we're in Maine half the year and we can't get that stuff processed. Mm -hmm. So um, Miranda, Susan, Grace, everyone in that head office at Worldwide Trophy Adventures um, has been phenomenal. And even, you know, Jason Berger, Matt Gindorf, everybody, the whole team um, in helping, you know, generate those invoices for all of our folks, making sure that they're in the the process and the system, um, they'll send out a welcome packet of information. But what I've been doing because of all the latest changes with COVID and, and crossing the border um, is just send an email a few weeks before the season. So Lance and I were able to get up here um, early April, went through the border crossing ourselves. I literally screenshot, you know, we have to complete right now, you still have to complete the arrive can app, they call yep. it, to cross the border. And they waived the restriction of having or the requirement to test 24 to 72 hours before you get in, you needed to have a PCR. They've now waived that. So you just have to show your proof of vaccination, which you upload to this arrive can app. And I made a basic like how to fill it out, giving you all the answers that you need, step by step, what each screen's going to look like. Um, several of our older hunters that are a little less technology yep. advanced yep. of, I was actually able to like, talk them through it on the phone and help them complete it themselves. Um, so once they figure that out, um, that takes a lot of stress off of our shoulders. Um, right now, currently, you do have to test to get back into the U.S., and we've figured out a way that we can get our hunters tested right at the lodge. Um, we were trained and certified into that, so um, that provides them with the documentation they need to get back. Um, so we try to make it as easy and as simple as possible. And um, actually coming right up June 7th, so just a few days, we're part of the Saskatchewan Commission of Professional Outfitters. They're supposed to be having a round table with Air Canada, WestJet, Tourism Saskatchewan, Tourism Canada. One of the, our biggest um, complaints right now is the airlines and okay. trying to get here. 
Um, there used to be a great flight, I think Delta offered it. It was a Minneapolis to Saskatoon straight international flight. So the first time you would cross customs and start pulling your guns out and showing everything to the border agents, you were here in Saskatoon. Right. So that took a lot of stress off. I'm, you know, I'm telling hunters as much as we can right now. Don't go through Toronto. Try to avoid, or avoid, <laughs> avoid Toronto. Toronto. That seems to be where hunters are, you know, their guns are misplaced or, um, you know, luggage is, is delayed. So just knowing those things, you know, it's, it's coming. Changes are coming, hopefully. So Saskatchewan Commission of Professional Outfitters um, hired a firm to put together a huge survey of all of our flight needs. Because, um, I mean, yes, we're a huge outfit in Saskatchewan, but we're not the only ones, too. Mm -hmm. You know, we have all of our, our buddies who own outfits all over Saskatchewan that are going through the same issues and changes and stuff like that, too. So if we can prove that, you know, without this flight, they're losing, I think it's something crazy, like $70 million. You think about wow, these people, man. they're landing in Saskatoon, they're getting mm -hmm. rental cars, hotels, buying alcohol, going to, you know, sit at a restaurant. That's a lot of revenue that Tourism Saskatchewan and Tourism Canada as a mm -hmm. whole is losing. So, you know, I'm hoping that they work on that. And I'm hoping that we have some exciting news that something will be coming that will make things easier. Um, we've had more and more people drive. Um, and that certainly makes it easy. You don't actually have to show a, a negative COVID test when you drive to get back now. Um, you don't to, to drive back into you, you actually yeah. don't have to. Yeah. Really? If you're okay. driving, it's only by air that you need a, a negative COVID okay. test to go back. So, um, but yes, long story short, things are always kind of changing mm -hmm. and developing and hopefully improving post this COVID era and we'll get kind of get back to normal. So with any information, we will send it out to all of our hunters right away. If there's any changes or updates, we'll send it to all of our hunters right away. And I think that all of our hunters, you know, could say that during COVID, we were awesome, again, thanks to WTA and, and our partnership and everything like that, just to roll the funds and, and mm -hmm. keep them on the books and just keep rolling. And, and yeah, I mean, the buzz of the spring bear season, getting people back here. It was the first bear season back. We were closed for two years. That's crazy. So, I mean, just imagine the, the size of the bear, the population numbers. Same thing with our whitetail season last year. I mean, we were shut down for a year. You give, give that you know, the deer out there one more year to grow. It's, it's yeah. been phenomenal. So, and we stay right, right on track with our management goals for everything that we offer. So we have a lot of whitetail tags, but we don't sell them all out and, yep. and we like to keep it that way. I, go ahead. So bullet, bullet point wise, um, for travel and, um, arrive can app is still required. Um, mm -hmm. fill it out 72 hours which is very easy to, to be honest and, with you to yeah. fill it out and you still need to be fully vaccinated and that's a question I get a lot is like hey do you think by 2024 I won't need to be vaccinated I I can't answer that right. I know as much as you guys when you watch the news that's mm -hmm. all I know um, but if we get any inside information and like I said being a member of SCPO keeps us in in the loop we'll give that to you okay so next for a hunter if they have a bow or a crossbow, they do not need to fill out any firearm paperwork, correct? Yep. It certainly makes it easier. But you have to have you have to have TSA locks still for your cases and all you, that. You do not for a bow. You don't. But I mean, obviously, keep it keep your keep it locked. Right. Is my yeah. recommendation. Right. Yep. But they treat a, they treat, and I was pretty shocked the first time I I traveled international with my bow. They treat it just like a normal piece of luggage. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, they don't, they don't look at it. They don't need to, so to see anything. Just rifle. right through. So wow. it's, it's only your firearm that you're going to have to do your firearm declaration form. Um, it's really easy to fill out. You can do it in advance, um, or you, which is recommended, 
Um, I've typically traveled and never been in a rush when I've had to do when I have traveled with a gun and was always just did it when I crossed. But you got to make sure you're, you're willing to wait in line a little bit. It's $25 Canadian, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty simple couple lines, but it's three pages. You sign it and it's your basically your right to carry your arm firearm during your during your hunt okay. up here. So those are the two major things when traveling that can intimidate people. Is one now the Rive Can app, and then two getting your firearm across. Like I started Both this easy. conversation, is yeah. thousands and thousands of people are hunting Saskatchewan every mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's don't let it intimidate you. Yep. Yeah. What do you do with the ammo? The, can, the ammo can't be with the gun, right? In Correct. The case? Correct. So how yeah. does like just put it in your check luggage or just put it yeah. in your check luggage? You yeah. can't okay. have it on yeah. you when you're in your carry-ons. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. And on on the the firearm declaration, what I do is I fill out mine. And I do it in three copies. Basically, have three copies. That's one extra. They'll need two. Basically, when you cross, they'll stamp one and they keep one, and then they stamp one and they give it to you. And that's your firearm license. You need to carry that with you at all mm -hmm. at all times. Um, and also for anybody leaving the U.S. to come back into the U.S. with a firearm, you need a four four five seven form. Um, which is very, very easy to get. All you need to do is you need to bring your firearm to a customs office and then just say, I need the 4457 form. They'll fill it out. It takes two, three minutes in the customs office. And that's just proof that you own that firearm before mm -hmm. you go international. Mm -hmm. Now, once you've done that, correct, Mark, that you you keep a log of it and you don't have to read yep. is if you the 4457 form does not expire so if correct. you do it once then you're that, good that's all you need mm -hmm. yep so once per gun once per gun yep per gun. correct okay. yep. Yeah, and all they write is a serial number the make model they'll they'll write your scope information on there like this is your serial number for the scope and, mm -hmm. and so forth mm -hmm. i used it, to keep mine right in my passport when yep. i was going to like new yep. brunswick a lot that's another thing you gotta have a passport <laughs> yeah yeah and make sure it's not expired yeah and people always ask me can i just get like the advanced license or the passport card just be safe and just get a regular passport yeah that would be my recommendation yep um and then we try to make it really easy getting back home to the u.s um again trying to stay abreast of the whole COVID situation, what's required to get back to the U.S., but um, getting your hide home or your meat home. Um, so we have the option. We work closely with Orion Taxidermy here and we'll offer drop-off to them. Um, his wife, Amber, actually runs the logistics company, so it makes it really easy to get it right back to you in the U.S. But if you have your preferred taxidermist back in the U.S. Um, or you wanted to take some meat home, uh, we give you a Rubbermaid tote. We screw holes into the top, give you zip ties, write all of your license information onto it. I give you all of that information. Make sure that you have a, a printed copy of your hunting license. Take that with you. Have your HAL number, your seal, your license, your let, all that information that you'll need. Uh, we give that to you so that when you cross the border, they'll fill out the proper paperwork, claim what you're bringing back with you, um, and you check it like a check bag. Mm -hmm. So it makes it really easy. Um, and then we have a list of hotels if you're going to stay overnight prior to flying out that are we call hunter friendly they have a big walk-in freezer and you can kind of check your bag in like a check bag there and they'll keep it frozen for you overnight so i mean you've got everything covered from a to z i love we that try. like mark said the hospitality <laughs> like you know how many guys go to an outfit and they either don't have their tag or they need to go into town to get it you mm -hmm. can you're a licensed uh 
License vendor, yeah. Vendor for tags. Yeah. You do it right here. Yeah, I just figured with the amount that we were doing, it was crazy to run into the ministry office in town. So um, I went through a training online, became a licensed vendor. So if you're in the Meadow Lake area and you need a fishing license, come <laughs> there see me. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then it's fun too because once our guys shoot out um, and harvest, then or in the morning, so especially for bear season, if they want to go fishing in the morning, mm-hmm. um, I can get their licenses right on the spot. That's so awesome. So that makes it really handy for us. So what are some other things? So we've made it here with the firearms and everything. And so what are some other things as far as gear that are a must that you should bring for a whitetail hunt? Because I mean, the weather could be hit or miss with being like really cold or mild. Like what do you? Yeah. So that's a good question. And you know, one other thing again, comes to the complete package that uh, we try to offer is we found that uh, some people, well, we try to keep them from overpacking. And Mm -hmm. one way to do that is, um, we at one turn of the uh, turn of uh, one purchase the the Riverside Lodge or the original uh, Safari River. Um, they had a bunch of Raven suits, which is was the famous Canadian version of the heater body okay. from yep. like the early 2000s, <laughs> late 1990s. But they're beautiful. They're in beautiful shape. We got there was over 25 of them, so we've split them up between both lodges. So. That's one big piece of equipment that we r- would recommend that we can take off the uh, off the needs list. Mm-hmm. Um, so that usually adds somebody, you know, a whole different duffel bag when you have to put a heater sure. body into it. Yep. So we try to accommodate people um, that way as well as, you know, all our blinds are heated um, if you want to. Um, and that's all provided in your hunt. Um, so going back to uh, your gear list. Yeah. Uh, and what you should bring and stay warm. Uh, you know, as hunters, we have all kinds of equipment. And uh, what I is, if you can fit it, I say you bring it. Okay. Uh, um, it's kind of the thing. And if there's any questions on am I overpacking or um, do I really need this? This is on your on your um, equipment list. Well, you can always just call us and, and we can let you know. Um, we do try to provide things like uh, like shooting sticks if um you know that can take up be clunky and take yep, up room yep if you have fancy ones that you like or something well we're gonna have give you something a bipod tripod you're shooting out a ground blind at uh, 80 to 100 yards let's say for a whitetail you should be fine with those you mm-hmm. know so um you know other things that we you know we offer at camp that sometimes are easy to buy at walmart but still can take up a bunch of room is um you can get your uh, hand warmers right at camp, mm-hmm. you know. So we just kind of try to have those things that we talk through it with a hunter so that we don't want them not to bring stuff that they they want or, or feel like they should have brought something, but also make it so that it's, it's easy for them yep. and they're not – that one extra – you're already checking your gun if you're rifle hunting. Mm-hmm. You're already bringing a carry-on. And if you only have to do one other ch- check baggage, which is a duffel, it saves you a ton of, ton of time and effort hauling that around. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're bringing your hide and antlers home now, you're going to have two check baggage plus your carry-on and your firearm. Mm-hmm. So that one one extra bag of not having to, to bring it is huge. We also have extra orange in camp, so if you forget to pack that or don't have room, you know, we have that on yeah. hand. Yeah, stuff like that. But uh, for a typical whitetail hunt um, and what, what a guy should bring, I mean, you're going to be hunting um, from, you know, about half hour before sunrise till – Sun till half hour after sunset every day. Long days. Long days. Yep. Well, eight hour days at that time yep. of year. Eight nine hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a long time in a stand, but uh, or in a ground blind. But we try to give you a comfortable sit, comfortable chairs, 
make sure you're all set that we're there. Um, what guys usually do over pack is they're, they're uh, not hunting clothes. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> yep. like you said, it could be anywhere from 30 degrees Fahrenheit to minus 30, you know, so you want to be prepared. And more than likely, you're not going to be uh, walking around in blue jeans every day. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, packing less of your day-to-day stuff and more of your uh, cold weather gear, especially even if you harvest early. Guys like to go baiting with us or check out the scenery. or Just hang out. Oh, mm-hmm. man, sometimes we go ice fishing after they tag out whitetail <laughs> if there's already ice on the lake. So yeah. we have some fun there. That's awesome. So do you hunt from tree stands at all, or is it just all ground blind? During that specialty archery last week of October, we do. You know, yeah, we, like I said, after that, um, if somebody does shoot archery, we'll do ground blind. Um, but we do set uh, that last week of October. It tends to be still bearable to be in a in a tree stand and we'll we'll set up a couple options for them in case we get a really really sharp cold front that comes through but yeah. through but um that 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 particular hunt we do try to focus on uh on tree stands for that on mondays head offshore with captain scott walker and steve roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures coming to me coming to me coming to me double he's jumping he's jumping he's jumping oh oh look at that don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m eastern tell a few fish stories along the way on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. That that's uh, that could be a grueling hunt <laughs> in the cold in the tree stand for eight hours. I mean, right? Well, what we've often done too is you know we know that time of year the bucks are still in their home range. Yeah, um, and. It, you know, they show their faces pretty quick if we're either on top of them or we're not. So we, we it's not uh, like even the first week of November, a week later, where things are starting to get a little, little malleable. Things are moving and, mm-hmm. and you don't, you know, all your bucks are starting to show up that you were waiting to see from last year. That October hunt is a really focused hunt on usually one target animal. Okay. Um, and don't get me wrong, if something new comes up, we'll adjust. But it gives us time to prep and really we'll also usually at a place we have a tree stand, um, we'll prep a ground blind too. Okay. So if a hunter is just like it's a cold October day and he's just really can't, he needs to at least go in for lunch. He mm-hmm. can pop down in the ground blind, spend a couple hours in the ground blind, warm up, have lunch. And then if he either wants to get, you know, set, uh, go back up in the tree stand for the, you know, the afternoon he can, or the ground line's also set up for the shot. Okay. Know, it's, it's not just a hut to yeah. <laughs> off to the side. Yeah. So do you have designated seasons for rifle or bow, or can you shoot like an archery or a bow all season if you want? You can shoot a bow all season. Um, Lakeside is in, uh, is south of the highway, okay. which uh, splits south zone and or central and south zone um and so the north camp uh riverside can actually be a firearm from the beginning of the season on oh where uh lakeside we prior to october uh prior to november 1st has to be permittable weapon um, which could be crossbow Mm -hmm. muzzle muzzle or bow yep very cool but the other the other camp 
And season actually, like true season starts, is it September 1st or the first Saturday in September? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's early, but nobody nobody does it just because of all the crops and everything here. It would be so tough to try to get get one of those separate that early. For sure, for sure. And, I mean, we're, you know, we're both camps are what uh, I would say would uh, partially farm forest fringe. I mean, yeah. we, we this, our area is so vast. Um that you know, you we definitely have a lot of big bush areas that aren't anywhere near farmland, but um, a lot of our area is pretty close to farmland. So um, you could get that transition, and um, if a, it would be possible to offer like a a velvet hunt, yep. but yep. but it's just not practical. And um, you know, there's so many moving parts once that once that season starts, yeah. and keeping an eye on these deer, and and really making sure we're going after. Uh, target bucks that we've been watching for several years and aging and and everything else so um spreading it out too much i think you lose that uh you lose that focus point yeah exactly of actually what your intentions and of harvesting are yeah so and uh whitetail hunt just to kind of wrap up the whitetail side of things how long is the hunt when you book here how many days is it um and what can guys expect when they do book to come up here for it so we we sell them as five and a half day hunts. Um, the reason for the half day is basically because we need a changeover for the next group. So if we have a hunter who goes the full five days or goes to day six, the half day, um, as long as we have them uh, set up, plan, program for the afternoon or the evening, um, he can hunt the full sixth day. Um, you know, with his guide, we just. We just need to make sure the lodging is turned over right. and stuff like that. So, sale it is five and a half. That means if that guy has to go out, he can, you know, he can go out even do the half day and then still make his travel. Doesn't have to travel in the dark down to Saskatoon. Yep. But uh, pretty fortunate we with uh, with the team we have, um, game cams at every bay. Fortunate enough to have uh, a great great hunt area. That uh, it is very rare that guys go five days and. And they go five days on, uh, you know, on their target deer. Yep. So sure. you're saying it's basically guaranteed for every hunter that comes <laughs> up. <laughs> no, not that. I mean, we again, we've had some very mild winters, and uh, the deer population has just bounced back from uh, the early, or from like around 2010 uh, to 13. There's a couple bad winters in there, but uh, it takes that much time to really build, rebuild that, um, rebuild that stock in. We're at a good, a really good spot, and uh, if we can keep our keep our numbers where they are and good management goals, and and really it comes down to the hunter. Yep. And the hunter, um, the your hunter sticking to your program and feeling confident in you that that you do have the animal um, that they're desiring, or you do have that whitetail that they're looking for, or if you're looking for something bigger and you don't have it, at least that you're putting um, the right age class and and a trophy quality animal. Yep. In front of them. Yeah. Very cool. I think that's all I had for whitetail questions, so honestly. You're, you're not going to ask me another whitetail question? No, no. I'll just call Lance. There you go. On. There you go. You got right to, right to the source. Right to the source. Right to the source. So let's go Let's go. Um, waterfall. So the same that we talked about for whitetail applies for firearms um, mm-hmm. as you cross for waterfall season if you bring your own. How many people bring their own their own shotguns up? Everybody. Everybody yeah. brings their own shotguns yeah. up? Yeah. We can, we can provide, um, you know, emergency breakdown uh, – Fire, you know, firearms. We do have plenty in in stock or plenty in the gun safe, but uh, 
You know what we just recommend, guys that are uh, guys that are avid waterfowl hunters are yeah, going to yeah, want to yeah. shoot their own gun. Yep. There. And uh, it's just we don't want to be responsible for jamming mm-hmm, or. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will get you out of a pinch if your gun breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now explain so for waterfall season, like the approach that you guys take in picking fields, scouting. What does a normal day look like as somebody somebody rolls in? So. Um, Let's start with just, yeah, our scouting program. I mean, it's been, it was kind of handed off to me this way. And uh, we just, we just, it's very regimented. And that's just the way we, uh, way it seems to work. Um, We have a full-time spotter. He spots uh, six and a half days a week. He just gets a half day off uh, once a week on, on our changeover days. He's providing what we call a like constant rolling Mm -hmm. list of fields um so he has quadrants we broke broke our area down into quadrants um and he takes a different quadrant every morning and afternoon so he can cycle around and uh provide us with a morning and afternoon report then in the mornings um our head duck guide goes out because he doesn't have an evening duck hunt uh morning duck hunt and he'll go out and he'll take the field list and he'll take all the fields that have ducks in it and he'll try to hit whichever ones that he finds that have good enough numbers. Mm -hmm. And as he watches them, he waits for them to mature two to three days before we hunt a field. He takes the hunters out in the evening. In the evening, the the goose guides go out. We usually do two goose hunts in the morning. The goose guides will go out, and they'll take that same list, and they'll double-check all their fields for the morning. Mm -hmm. So as this list keeps rolling, we're using – we're keeping tallies of how mature these fields get – and then once the field gets hunted, we try to wait two to three days, let the birds rest. If the birds go right back, let the birds rest before we go back. And the program really just following those simple things of checking and then double checking uh-huh. and then waiting for the it to mature and make sure those birds weren't bumped from a farmer till in or something yep. like that. Um, it really runs, stand, you know, it just it's proofs in the pudding and it allows us day after day to repeat um the same quality hunt i mean it's still hunting once in a while you you guess wrong or the north wind blows but um for the most part that that formula can just create a rinse and repeat uh success and a big part of how you had that set up is yeah the scouters going around telling you what fields everything in but then by the time you have your guides circle back through when they're off morning or off afternoon they're pinpointing which part of the field the birds are actually coming in and out of correct because the field like anybody that hunts in 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 the u.s the fields you're hunting up here are not 40 acre cornfields these (laughs) things are i mean they're how big are the fields i mean they're 160 acres but sometimes you get uh two three quarters together and you're hunting, you know, you're hunting 500 acres so 500 think about acres. that yeah they're birds on there but they may only be in one corner and, and just having the guides actually come place their eyes on them where they're going in and out they know exactly where they're setting up the next day yeah correct and you know i think we hit this earlier but having veteran guides yeah who, such key i mm-hmm. mean we literally they're so good we can drive by the field um we don't you know we're not uh, we can find the X in the dark, you mm-hmm. know, obviously technology helps now yep, yep. you can drop a pin, but, um, I mean, if we have a field that we know is mature, I mean, we can just take a peek, know which roost they're coming from, know where, know where the best cover is, even mm-hmm. if we have to cheat off the X a little bit and keep going and cover some more ground and, uh, and really keep those, those daily field tallies accurate and, you know, try to be planning for two, three days in a- ahead, you know, mm-hmm. have a, have a, uh, group's hunt already kind of 
painted out in the back of our minds. And what's the what's the limit for geese and then ducks in a day? So eight geese and eight ducks a eight, day. And so it's a it's a hefty goose limit up here compared to <laughs> it in is. the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, we're not a major destination for sandhills, but uh, I think we're at five sandhills. Sometimes the September guys can get into them uh, a little bit, and then uh, it's 20, 20 snows, 20, 25 snows apiece. Again, we're not a major snow destination, as Mark talked about earlier. We are in a kind of a niche, beautiful spot where we're the, the first fields these birds see. It does mean that there's a lot that do fly over us, but there's a lot that stop in. Mm -hmm. um, we're not necessarily known for having 10,000 birds in a field, but we're known for having 1,000 good ones and or 500 good ones that are fresh. You're known for shooting a lot of limits as well. Yeah. You're known for. yeah. There's a lot of limits and up quick. there. And quick. I yeah. honestly think sometimes the hunting goes faster than the setup of the, the blinds oh, and yeah. the <laughs> decoys and everything. Yeah. The first time I went goose hunting up here, we were in a group. It was a, it was a, we joined a group of six or something like that. So there are eight of us in the field. I don't know if you remember this, but we went out and I kid you not, it was like 42 minutes. Everybody had limited on geese <laughs> and you took an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to set up. And the second that you sat in the blind and it was first shooting light, the geese never stopped until it was over. Yeah. And it was, this is how fast it was over. So Lance is running around out there and he puts eight geese behind everybody's blind because it's a constant count. The geese are coming in so quick. And by the time you have eight, it's tough to just keep adding in your head how many, okay, this guy, we got two over here, one over here. Mm -hmm. So you actually put the geese stacked in a limit behind blinds and that's how Lance is back there going. And it's always the last one. Okay, guys, we, got, we need two or three. <laughs> No now flock you, shooting. Yeah, no, and now you got now you got people individually of the eight going. All right, I'm gonna shoot, or you're gonna shoot, and nobody else. Yeah, that was just it was like 42 minutes. Think about that. Yeah. Eight limits of geese in 42 minutes. It was insane. Yeah, and you guys do that constantly throughout the season. That's just not a one-off. Holy smokes, that was a good morning. That's pretty common up here to do. If you're up here, I would expect you're in a three-day window. One of your mornings is going to go like that when you hit the sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, really for us, I think it's more four out of five. You know, you can. – I'd like to say it's five out of five every time, and I think we'd more lean towards the five, out of your five hunts yep. and your three-day three stay. But, you know, you always got to throw it out there. That one's a little slower, one's a little different, yep. or it's one you got to work for. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, because it's still ultimately – an educated guess of what field you're going to go to. Yeah, so. I like that you give. Uh, you're also scouting for not over hunting the birds as well. Basically, you're not um, going into a field and just blowing them up for five days or three days straight. Like you, you give them a rest. I like that. Yeah, you you know we have to. It's uh, you know there's especially for the ducks. You have um, their favorite spots throughout mm -hmm. the season, yeah. and, they, and it, not saying that it's always the favorite spot during the season, but as different crops come off and as the birds maybe move and resettle in um if you get a big flock of mallards and pintails come down and you try to overhunt them they'll bust out of there and you're going to be looking for ducks pretty hard and, yeah. and traveling much yeah. further than you need to be or if you just let them get comfortable again or even get out of the field quick you know uh, we like the hunters to not feel pressured to to just be wham bam thank you ma'am but um it also helps uh helps the next hunter oh, group it helps their next hunt um, and I think having clients who've been with us forever understand that that the reason their hunt's so good is because the people before them respected that mm -hmm. for sure. You know how to how the program we're running. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I, one of the questions I should have asked earlier: How big of hunting area do you have for waterfall? Like this is always shocks me. Oh, so we have quite a few zones attached to our license. So when I endless, 
Um, <laughs> I would say that. But we really just hunt uh, Zone 55, um, which is, again, huge. There's some great other outfitters that hunt in the area. Um, but we all kind of are spread out throughout the yeah. zone, you know. We kind of have our little niche. Um, and, you know, maybe we overlap a little here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, we don't. Um, we, Like I said, we stick to our stick to our little home range and uh man as far as how wide it is i mean we basically cover about an hour in any direction from camp um the most ride you know that that we try to keep that ride to the field no more than an hour Mm -hmm. um you know that's not saying that sometimes we're not hunting only 20 minutes you know 20 minutes from camp and 15 of that's getting off the camp the yeah, exactly. in the driveway yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but sometimes you know to get to that best spot we'll be we'll be traveling quite you know maybe an hour travel but if we're making you travel that far it's, it's well for worth a reason the, yeah yep. it's well worth it and for you have to spread out that much you know to, yeah. to do the kind of volume that we're doing and in, in the in the numbers mm-hmm. yeah well that and like there are not many locals here that goose hunt are there well there's quite a bit you know and yeah i mean it's not as you would as you would seem um but uh, I think it's kind of, you like to think, is it a mutual respect? And uh-huh. we, we uh, because we're treated so well in the community that uh, we feel that uh, if we can either leave or pass on fields that uh, are maybe good fields for, for locals to come to do easy, yeah. then, and we also try not to hunt on Sunday. So our more after the sun, Saturday morning, it should be usually be a changeover. Okay. So that gives saturday afternoons and sundays for any local hunting when most locals would be hunting anyway right over right over the weekend you're Correct. not you're not out there and Good. a lot of times we'll do fun hunts with them yeah you know invite them along to hunt with us oh that's They've cool had yeah. a blast that's a, that's, yeah that's yep. good yeah. Yep. All right. Let's, and daughters. let's yeah. talk moose before we get into we get into bear so i know you got three tags yeah and you said you try to hit that over the rut late September how I, I know that's not lodge based here just where just where the moose are at explain explain what goes into that one yeah so zone 73 is where is where our moose tags are and um, the hunt is about starts about an hour north the, the, the boundary line is an hour north from either uh, Riverside or Lakeside Lodge so you know we, we base the hunter out of um, out of one of our other lodges and they, you know, they have all the, the beautiful comforts of both the lodges. But when we do leave to go on the moose hunt, um, we will, we, you know, we stay remote, whether mm-hmm. it be a camper, um, you know, we, ha- we have really nice camper we set up for our moose hunt or, um, or even staying at another, um, another lodge in the north, depending on what the hunter, hunter's asking and, and, or what we've seen for scouting, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, there's a lot of misnomas and a lot of people who have had different experiences with moose hunting in Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan, Alberta, um, you know, all the above. It's just a different hunt than, um, than let's just say Maine or, or some of these other places. You know, you want to stay away from, you know, our goal is always to stay away from uh, any local or any high pressured areas that are easy accessible so we've created a program where it is a lot of feet on the ground um you know you could see anywhere from eight to ten miles on foot a day but you're going to be back in some pockets where you're not going to run into people higher moose density in those areas um we've been doing some flying to really try to isolate some of these pockets 
um, you know, you can expect, uh, you know, quite, you know, good long, not a long, long, but a good long quad ride to get back to where these animals are. It's an adventure. Um, you know, you are, you're buying an adventure. You're, the food's going to be great. Your guides are going to be knowledgeable. Um, but you're buying a, an mm -hmm. adventure. It's not a, uh, it's not a home run and we don't tell it as a home run. Um, is there plus 50 inch bulls out there? There's plus 50 inch bulls out there. We can show you the camera pictures, mm -hmm. getting to them or, you know, is, is getting to them and hitting the, hitting the rut on the, you know, the nail on the head during the mm -hmm. rut is going to be the two keys. Um, we like to hope that, uh, you know, it's still so new to us. 19, we did two hunts, 21, we did three, uh, and, uh, we're scheduled for three for already booked for 22 and 23. So, um, we're, we'd like to think we're going to compile a lot more hero picks and data for the awesome. next couple of yeah. years. Mm -hmm. Um, the moose are out there. It's not a, a huge high density or it, it's just a big area. Right. Put it that way. Just giant area. So the moose are in pockets and you just got to be on them. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it it's I wouldn't call it just a meat hunt, but you know if you see a a plus thirty inch bull, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna take talk it. talk hard about it. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, gonna yep. talk hard about it. Yeah. Um, it. You know whether it be first day or third day or mm -hmm. or day six, you know. So you gotta, you know, we we just want to we always make sure that the hunters coming into this with uh, clear expectations. I think is key. Yep. Um, as we put more proof in the pudding, and you know with our with our guides and and everything else and more trophy picks on the ground. I think, you know, we can speak to this a little differently, but right now we try to play it reserved a little bit and then, uh, and then let, let the, let the product eventually speak for itself. Yep. yep. All right. Now on to the one we're here for spring bear. So explain a, explain a, a typical day for bear hunting. It's, it's, it's it's weird because for me I've never done anything like it like the the slow morning just kind of resting because then the days are so long here and when you focus on being in the stand, yeah it's uh it's interesting and and we're always trying to keep people busy and having a fun hunt and a fun trip and and fill all their adventurous needs but uh, you know they get they arrive into camp let's say at uh, Riverside on a Saturday and. Um, their hunt doesn't start till Sunday at two o'clock, yeah. so <laughs> two two p.m. So so they get in, and then if anybody gets into, they're all excited. So if somebody gets into camp at noontime, yeah, and they gotta wait twenty four hours, so twenty six hours till they get in the stand. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, a typical day uh, is uh, two p.m. hunt time, and it doesn't get dark uh, the season pretty much throughout the three a oh, little over thirty to forty five days that we hunt. Um, you know, goes from 9.30 to 10.15 legal shooting. So you're sitting about seven to eight hours in the tree stand if you want to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do adjust that time for guys who don't. Um, and then you have a super late supper and uh, then get up and do a do breakfast between eight and nine and get to enjoy some nice, relaxing Saskatchewan weather, maybe some fishing, yep. uh, maybe do some baiting with the boys. And mm -hmm. then... Uh, and then do it all over again. Um, have a light little lunch, pack your lunch, and then two o'clock you're back out, back out at it. Back out at it. So, so if and you if you think about it, Aaron, you're hunting the same on this bear hunt that you you would whitetail hunting. Same yeah. amount of hours. Yep. Well, given it's sixty degrees here as a high, not minus thirty, but right. yeah. it's the same amount of time. Like it's a it's a long long sit. But you you've had luck 
actually getting into bears early afternoon too, just just as they're on a sow or or whatever. Correct, correct. We take black bear just as serious as we do whitetail. I mean, it, it proofs in the the guide's passion for it, and uh, you know, in our passion for every hunter going home with what they would consider a trophy of their yep. own. Um, yep. So every bear bait sights um, cameraed. We we go over cameras just like we were counting inches on a whitetail and and seeing how old he is and seeing if we saw him last year on camera and um really just put that effort into it and yeah it's it's uh it it makes for a fun adventure um and you know we try to keep that hunter involved in it as well Mm -hmm. so that he can he can really dictate what uh what what he wants to go home with and the cool the cool part you guys are so interactive in the decisions that you make day in and day out like the guys may have may have put may have put a hunter in a stand the night before but they're not just waiting in their truck they're going and checking the other baits that are in the area which are checking the cards so if they see something on one of those cards and like man this this boar is on a sow and they've been in here the last 24 hours almost nonstop. well the hunter comes back that night he wasn't successful that night he's probably not going back to the same stand. Ashton or Tyler, you're going to move them to that hot stand and be like, we're, we're adjusting because this boar just came in. He's with a sow. They're going to be on this stand. And like the, the, that's how your success is so high. You just, you don't just, what a lot of people do is they'll say, okay, this is your stand. You're going to hunt here for, for five or six days. I'm not going to move you. I'm not going to do anything where you guys are the complete opposite. You're checking cards every single day. And the second you get something that's hotter than where that hunter's at, you bump them over there. Correct. I mean, Heck, we don't want to drive you around any more than, uh, you know, drive you around day in, day out, um, back and forth, bumpy roads, you know, putting you through yep. that, you know, more than more than you want to do it. Of course, the, the joys and the journey, the adventure of uh, going out there, but um, the more efficient that we can get you guys, you know, the animal that you desire, mm-hmm. the quicker you can just be sitting in the hot tub or going yep. fishing or, or adding those extra extra fun things to your to your trip um so that's kind of how we look at it with deer and uh and bear the, the more efficient we can be at getting you the animal you want the, the not only mentally you can stay into the hunt better yep. you know as the hunt drags on hunters can make poor decisions yep. so if we put the, the you know the best animal we can as fast as possible in front of you if that's the hunt you desire then then um, it really helps yeah and like you were alluding to earlier it is one of those hunts that we don't now. So we're seeing a lot of rebook for bear, but it's a good um, novice hunter hunt, mm-hmm. you know. And I think what we do is uh, a pretty good job of their hunter meetings and meeting with their guides. I mean, our staff's amazing in sizing up the bear. And we have how many bait sites going? It's usually 120-ish at full crank between both camps. And it's Crazy. about every three days that we go <laughs> and make sure that they're all baited. And all of our bait sites are set up the same. So we actually took a picture of what your bait site looks like, and we go over that on your hunter meeting when uh-huh. you arrive. We have they're all standard 55-gallon drums that we put our mix of bait into. Um, there's beaver poles at a certain height at each location. So those are certain cues and um, measures, per se, that you can use You know, if your bear's standing in front of the barrel or tips it over, um, can you fit that bear in the barrel? You know, then it's not a shooter. If it's bigger than the barrel, it's a shooter. Mm -hmm. If it's standing on its hind legs, you know, going after that beaver like a pinata, you know, if it has to get on the barrel to be even be able to reach it, not a shooter. If it's standing Mm -hmm. on its hind legs and no problem, rips that beaver right down, it's a shooter. You know, certain things like that so that we can educate the hunter to take the best representation of that Mm -hmm. animal home and that they're happy with what they 
what they've harvested. And, and another big one, I know Aaron's here because he's been here now three days, so he's pretty much a bear expert. Yeah, I, I can judge I mean, bears like crazy right now. I, I just hear him throwing out weights, not even close to it. <laughs> not he's, <laughs> not, he's throwing out weights and ages now. Like, like I would say like, ages. Weights, like, yes. Yeah, I'm a little off on the weights. Little weights. <laughs> well, like probably one of the toughest the, the toughest thing for people to realize is shot placement on black bears. And I know, Lance, yeah. we spent a lot of time earlier in the week going over shot. Mm-hmm. shot placements and before Shelly came up here we practiced so much at the house because she's only whitetail hunted and you're taught like yeah. I taught her the same thing I was taught you find that crease behind the shoulder and you shoot so she was just automatic I never had to question on a deer quartering two quartering away she knew exactly what to do but on that on a blackbird just to aim a little bit farther back and even a little bit higher than what you normally would mm-hmm. and just I think it, not many hunters hunt black bears so they don't realize where's the sweet spot on a black bear yeah it's interesting. There's so much literature, um, you know, Googleable, um, and uh, there's articles and it, that it just a heavy written about article in all mm-hmm. different places. And um, you know, basically, it, it comes down to understanding the anatomy. And uh, Mark, we were talking about it. There's a great, you know, PDF file from Google that uh, you can just look at and see what a deer profile internal profile looks like in a bear and if you can really start to understand that you can put the picture to bed mm-hmm. uh, picture together better and um, and then relay it to the field um, we do quite a bit like uh, em was saying we do a quite extensive uh, informational meeting um, you know things like drawing a line straight back uh, from the be- the boar's lower neck um, two behind his mm-hmm. front shoulder um, and all those things really help but when you get the difference between a 200 pound boar and a 350 pound boar um, all all things are tossed aside yep. so that ultimately becomes really knowing the animal and picking the spot you intend to pick mm-hmm. not just uh mm. not just rushing it yeah the body type looks so much different on those big yep on those big bears and their belly hangs lower and you can't hard to find that uh, that that shoulder yeah, yeah. or that elbow. So and one of the one of the crazy things on on bears too is they they move so much. So in a in a in a bear set, you'll see a bear sitting on its butt, laying down, stretched out on its on its hind paws, trying to reach. Like you'll see all these different angles. And it's when I heard you say repeatedly, only shoot when they're standing broadside or quartering away because yeah. you want it, You want the weight to be distributed. If you think about their vitals, when they stand up or if they're sitting down, their vitals sink almost into their stomach. So now yeah. it's way far down. So you may think, like, I'll hit it right right behind the shoulder or back a little bit, but their vitals have sunk down six, eight inches. Right. It's crazy on a, on a bear compared to – like a deer, Never you never see a deer besides standing. Right. A deer's never getting up on its hind legs or moving or sitting in front of you. Like, their vitals are always in the same spot, but that bear – moves so much that the vitals shift in every single direction that you just got to make sure that it's standing in the right right spot yeah and his body just moves so much you yeah. know they can they can instantly be quartering uh you know another 45 degrees mm-hmm. just by moving their head or or twisting at their trunk um so yeah just just really becomes either follow the follow the, the instructions of just broadside or or quartering away and or 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 just don't shoot. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait for the next. Wait, uh, and, th- and yeah. that's a that's a tricky one for a lot of guys, especially whitetail hunters. Like Aaron, how often you have a whitetail come in and, and you miss your opportunity? But like, ah, he'll be back later. Yeah, yeah. he'll be fine. He'll be yeah. he'll be back. He'll be. Back. I'll, just, I'll just wait not, here. Not not ever. Not <laughs> ever. So like here, it's different because that bear comes in. And you're like, ah, oh, he may have just cruised by and was there and was eating behind the barrel, and then five six minutes he was gone. You're like, ah, oh, 
Yep. Chances are he's gonna be back. It may not be that night, right. but he'll be back during the week. He'll come. He'll come yep. back. Yeah. Just we saw. Right I mean, last night's sit. We seen different eight different bears, and I think four of those came to the bait. Would leave for an hour, come back. They'd circle around. I mean, we. I mean, there was bears around us all night, so they were just constantly just in and out, in and out. So you had ample time and opportunity. Like, don't rush it. You know, if you if you if you don't have to. If, if it's not your bear, it's not your bear. You know, right. you'd rather not chase one or wound one and go home empty-handed than, right. uh, than wound one that, that you know, would have mm-hmm. been a trophy for, yep. for anybody. And this, We've folks, even is where Aaron became a bear expert. One night yes. in the stand, saw eight bears, and he's pretty <laughs> much. Oh, I mean, you know, what I like to judge a man, yeah, all, <laughs> exactly. all seriousness, yeah. is they are hard to judge. I mean, you know, they would walk in through the bush, and you're just seeing black go through. And you're like, man, that looks like a good bear. And then he turns and comes into the bait, and it's like you see the chest, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's a little pop belly. And then he turns, and then in the open, my biggest indicator is the legs don't look like they belong on the body. Like if they're really tall legs, then it's like, okay, yeah, he's a young bear, you know. Yeah, and that's where, you know, you look on the, again, the Internet, and you so many of these um, – uh, pictures of of kill zones on bears, all on small bear. Yep. Yeah, yep. you know nobody's doing like this fine tuned uh, picture of on a big bear what the difference looks like on these vital. Or, and it's not that, that the vitals change; it's just the body shape did so yep. much that you still got to just stick to the stick to the information. Yep. Yep. Obviously, Jelly did perfect. And yes, smoked, smoked it. it. Mm-hmm. Follow it. Follow the chin back, and boom. I was so worried. We practiced so much at the house before we got here, though, that she was. She was pretty dialed. dialed. You know, I was pretty proud. Yep. We've pretty even proud. had guys get enough cell service to take a picture of the bear and then text like Henry or Logan and be like, is this my target? <laughs> this is my bear? That's never good, though. No. If you're asking, it's probably not your target. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll do our best, but uh, it's still ultimately a cell cam picture. That. Right. But, yeah, sometimes it can it can help. And sometimes, uh, you know, this year I got a a text from, or actually lucky I didn't get the text picture, um, the, you know, 415-pound black bear laying in a hole. Didn't look very big because he took a, you know, a picture of it laying in a laying hole. Laying in a hole. We, I down, probably yeah. would have told him no. Thank God the dick, the picture didn't come through. And right. he shot, and then he said, well, it's my bear now. <laughs> so <laughs> And you walked, and he and almost you walked up it. and went, huh, huh. <laughs> that's yeah. a good, good choice. 415 pounds. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's one of, the, one of the biggest this year. Well, and the poundage is thrown off, too. Like, I think, what did Logan say? It's like a third. You could add a third of their weight on in the fall because yeah. they're coming out of hibernation in the spring. So, you know, the first thing people want to do is, oh, let's weigh it. How yeah. much do you think it weighs? Yeah, right. And, like, you're joking around about, like, oh, yeah, I know how much that yep. one weighs. But we really don't. I mean, we get right. it up there and we'd be really shocked and surprised. Sometimes. I don't know. Tyler was pretty spot on last night with yeah. uh, <laughs> within a pound Jane's and a half. Or yeah. bear, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and there's – uh, you know, we, we can we do track our weights, and uh, again, bears aren't scored by weight, but um, it gives us a couple indications. One, um, where we are in the season. Obviously, as the as you look at our weight chart, the weights increase as we've been feeding them for now seven weeks. Yep. You know, so they're going to have quite a bit more fat than when if they would have been shot uh, May first. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that, you know, and and I think they put on some weight pretty quick, meaning. Some of these 250s that were shot week one uh-huh. might be two seventy-five, yeah, yeah, something like that. But you think about that. that. That's twenty-five pounds in a couple of weeks. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah, but they but they're nonstop eating. They're not. This time of year, they they eat yeah. all and, the time. And we definitely have seen that. Uh, you know, 
that when a big bear comes out, even if he shot May 1st, um, he's still got a lot of fat on him. They winter a lot better than uh, and, and store a lot more than the, the littler ones. Mm-hmm. And then you also see the little ones who maybe would have came out at uh, actually in better shape but are getting run all over during rut look like almost a rutted whitetail yeah. and nothing but skin and bones yeah. because they've been in scars and bite marks and they've been fighting trying to make their own where the big bears they exert very little energy they walk into a bait site or into instantly a, take over and instantly take yep. over and have to show very little uh i mean they still got to prove their own if there's yep. another big one around but usually it's they don't have less. to go far oh cool well i'm excited to get back out there tonight yeah aaron's sure. ready to get back out there and use his bear expertise so <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Hammer down. Hammer down. Last night, so we don't know what's going to happen. Well, <laughs> the, good, the good thing is is that uh, you've seen all the other bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when he comes in, there won't be any question. No, there's no question. Yeah. I'll, I'll know. Yeah. And I'm looking outside, and I finally don't see the trees blowing all over the place. So Yeah, it's been windy the last few days. Not as Yesterday's today. boat ride. Yo, that was fun. <laughs> huh? My back still yeah. hurts. Broke. I'll complain My about this, that next year. My back sit is broken. Sit in the hot tub. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, come sit in the hot if tub. If I do that, I won't be getting out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. perfect. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you. Thank you awesome. Mark. Aaron, as always, thanks for joining, buddy. Yeah. Thank you, everyone out there, for all the support and downloads. Don't forget, go leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps. Also, if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime, go visit WTA at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com or give the team a call in the office at 1-800-755-8247.